0: you guys have your bibles we are continuing on in our series uh, through the book of colossians and this morning we're to be in colossians chapter three now um if you've journeyed with us up to this point um paul's done an incredible job as he has been pinning this letter from, from a jail cell to the church of Colossae, and he's He's covered a number of different topics, from the supremacy of Christ and 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 why Christ is is truly uh, supreme over all, and and we talked about all kinds of uh, the things that get in the way of us serving Christ, and 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 how Christ Himself makes us complete. Well, now Paul takes us kind of a step further. We get to chapter three, and he goes, "Okay, this is all about who Jesus is." Now, let's build on top of that and see what he ultimately does for us. What's the life he's calling us to? What does he ultimately bring and introduce into our life so that we can be this new creation that God has called us to be? So, um, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to follow along and we're going to be looking from verses 1 to 11. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to ask you a question. How many of you... Always wanted to push a reset button. Come on, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and and, and I, I say that because those big red buttons don't push. You like it, there's something in you. You're just like I, I should I should I push it? You know, you know, and you, you just want to push it. Now the reality of a reset button sounds so good and, because I, I look at my my past. I look at myself as a youth, or I looked at myself. Uh, as uh, last week and I just want to push a reset button sometimes I want it to I want to go back and, and that's I always admire those time travel movies you know where they go back in time and you're like wouldn't that be awesome to to write mistake you know to write the wrongs to to have do-overs and and take my mistakes and then just and tell my earlier version of myself hey that's really stupid what you're about to do and here's why Here's the 17,000 reasons why that's dumb, okay? All right, and, and I lo- always loved that, that idea to, to be able to push that reset button. Now, I definitely wanted to push that earlier on in my life. I, I, was, um, I was in my early 20s, and I had gotten to this point in my life, um, and some of, you, some of you may be there, um, where I was so done dating. I was just done I was done, I was tired of the dating scene, I was tired of, of the drama, and the, and, and I was tired of, of not having money, okay, all right, I just, I, I, I was constant, I mean, I was just, it was, I was done, I was over, and I remember, I, I remember being at home, and I was praying to God, and I said, God, listen, if, if you want this thing called marriage to happen, you're just going to have to issue me a wife, like in the military, it was like, just Issue her to me, like just there. You go. This is this is her. Great, fantastic. Tired of the you know the games, trying to figure this out and and um, well, it was what was funny is is my my brother Andrew um, during that same time frame he was down on a mission trip in the Bahamas. Now that's not real. Come on, is that a mission trip? Okay, all right. Yeah, you're like I want to go on the mission trip. Um, so um, so he was down in the Bahamas and he comes back from this missions trip. And, uh, and he, he says, and if you know my brother, Andrew, this is the way he genuinely talks. He's like, Hey bro, what are you doing? He's like, Nothing. I was living up in Virginia at the time. He goes, listen, are you dating anyone right now? I was like, no, no. And he goes, he goes, okay, good, good. Don't, don't. I found your wife. <laughs> what? No, seriously, bro. I, I found your wife. Don't date anyone. Um, we're gonna make this. This is gonna. This is gonna happen. And I was like, okay, bye. All right. I mean, <laughs> it was one of those sort of things. And well, it was not. But just a couple months later, I went down to Florida to visit my brother Andrew, and um, and I, I saw Michelle, and Michelle saw me, and then I saw Michelle again. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it was one of those like, wow. And uh, so we began to talk and, uh, and it just, it just clicked. I mean, things were just, they were going incredible. And I was like, wow, maybe there's something really here. And, and, uh, and so again, I was, I was up in Virginia, living up in Virginia and, and she was down in Florida. And so we were doing a little bit of the long distance thing, but we, we started dating and uh, man, it was fantastic. And every time we got together, she flew up and visited mom and dad and I came down to, to, to visit my brothers who who were down there and and, uh, and it was just great for about uh, eleven months and then and then I became guy I became the guy that guy and uh, and that guy, um, as i 'm driving back away from Florida on my way up, I had this thought, this thought that she's okay. She's not really marriage material, is what I said. Now, so I decided to ghost my wife. I stopped calling her, texting her, emailing her. Can I just say, guys, that is a horrible way to handle relationship, okay? You don't, you don't hang on. When you stop calling, texting, doing all that kind of stuff, it's, it is the cowardly way out. And it was. I was a coward. I was an absolute coward. I, I just decided, she'll get the point. I mean, that, that's literally, was, it was horrible. I know, I know. You ladies are looking at me with daggers. I know. It was bad. It was awful, okay? I, have, I, have, I own that. I stepped completely into that. But never in my life had I ever wanted to have a reset button I was like, man, I did that wrong. I wish I wish I could go back on that drive up and say, hey, idiot, you're about ready to be apart because we were apart from that point for five years. We weren't together for five. In fact, we fell off each other's radar. I hurt her so bad, she moved to Alaska, all right? I mean, you you know it's bad. She moved to Alaska. She's gone. Like, she's in the outback somewhere. I mean, I was like, uh, and I... I lost five years with this most amazing woman that I wish I could have pushed a reset button. Now, what are we talking about when we talk? And I, and I love thinking about that moment because I think I think this is what Paul is trying to express to the Church of Colossae about what Jesus, a lot of the time, all the time, does in our life and does in their life. But what do we mean by Reset. Are we talking about kind of a refurbish or a slight altering of what already is or a slight change? I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying here is, is a reset means to be completely new, as if it had never happened. I like that kind of reset. And I think that's what Paul is talking about here as we dive into Colossians chapter 3. There is an absolute reset that Jesus can do in your life and in my life. And it's a work that he promises to do as we walk through these verses, these first 11 verses, I think we'll begin to see exactly that. There's several times in, in the past in, in Scripture where God shows us some of that. See, it's not, it's not he was once blind and then God, God took some of these things. No, God, he was once blind in John chapter 9, but now he sees. The prodigal son he was once lost, completely lost, but now he 's found you see it 's a complete reset it 's a complete something new something wasn 't once there and now is there there was someone that was dead and is now alive that is not capable within human power, even though we fight it all the time we try to we try to reset our lives all the time and we end up Failing. So if you have your Bibles, let's see what exactly what Jesus and Paul have to say to us this morning in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life I love that. Your real life is actually hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become more like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Heavenly Father, I invite you to be here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a mighty work in each of our lives this morning. Thank you for all that you alone do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think Paul is is really trying to to help the church of Colossae understand this. I, I think we all want this reset in our life. And I love where Paul goes, especially in verse one. He says this, since you've been raised to new life, meaning since you have come to faith, In Jesus Christ. So he's talking, he's addressing believers. He's addressing believers. He's saying, since you've been raised to new life in Jesus, since you are a different person, then here's what that means you need to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Other versions say, on the things above. And, and so I have this visual picture, this image in my mind of like these, these crosshairs or, or, or a horizon and, and, and it's literally just looking above the horizon, looking above what, what the status quo of life is, looking above that line. And I was never so, I was introduced to exactly this, this idea of the horizon when I was real young. I was living in Hawaii with my family. My dad was stationed uh, on Oahu and we would get what was called, some of you guys might know, a military hop. And you could actually get a military hop back to the mainland. And so we were on a, C-130 or something like that. And, and I remember, in it, it's way different than commercial planes. If you've never, I mean, you're sitting on nets and, you know, and, and I, I, it's cold. I mean, it's very cold. It's loud. You put earplugs in and all that kind of stuff. But my brothers and I, man, we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, well, this is awesome, you know? And, and, uh, and so we had the opportunity also, um, to, during that time, this is years ago, we had the opportunity to actually get into the cockpit during plane flight it was awesome so we got up there and the pilot asked us up and so we got in this cockpit and all of a sudden we look out and we're like this is incredible and you're seeing these incredible clouds and you're seeing the sky and and you're seeing down below and and it was just it was mesmerizing and so then the uh, the pilot started pointing out all these different instruments that he uses to help fly the plane and one of the things that he pointed out is he says he goes. There's a lot of important instruments. He goes, but we rely pretty heavily on this one instrument, and it was the what he called the artificial horizon. He goes. He goes. I want you to look out real quick, and as best as you can. He goes. I want you to point to the horizon, and and so I, I did. I was like, I was like, that, that, right there. And he goes. He goes. Do you realize as best as our eyesight is and as best as we think that we're heading in the right place, based on what we can gather, um, the your actual view of the horizon is actually just off from where the actual horizon needs to be. So, as best, so the best instruments we have in our, with our own two eyes and as best as we try to say, he goes, he goes, if you stay that course with your vision for too long and you're not actually level, eventually, eventually it, it can end really bad. He goes, even the slightest difference of your horizon can eventually end in tragedy if you're not paying attention eventually it ends one way with you coming face to face with the earth and we don't want to go there he goes but but we try we do we do our very best and i and i and i always remembered that because i think that analogy applies so much to our our lives we do our very best to fly level don't we we, we try to keep our eyes on what we think is, well, th- that's important. Yeah, and I think, I think if I just head in this way, but here's, here's what I know from personal experience. The best vision that I think I have about this life will always be just a little bit off. You know why? Because for years I loved the things of this world. I loved my own desires. I loved the lusts and the things lurking within me. I wanted what I wanted. I was a, 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 Joel was about Joel. And I all, and and so, so the best that I knew how to fly and thinking that that's going to give me the best life possible was always just a tick down, just a little bit, little bit below that horizon. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, man, if you head that direction for too long, it's going to end one way. The Bible tells us that, that sin, when it is finished, eventually brings forth death. It'll eventually bring you to, to a place that you weren't maybe expecting. Eventually bringing, but, but, but it feels so right. It seems so right. So for all the, the natural instruments we think we have, if we don't have the instrument, the one guiding post that actually says, that's not the horizon, that's the horizon. Paul's going, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Heaven. Look on the things above, not on the things below. And I know how captivating they are. We love our desires. We love what we want. But God's very clear in 1 John two fifteen. He says, do not love the world, nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, when you have your eyesight just below it, you know what you don't have? You don't have the love of the Father in you. You're missing it. Your trajectory is actually headed down south a whole lot more than you can possibly imagine. And the more we love the world, the quicker we get there. The more that we want what we want, the the quicker our eyesight drops and we begin to head in this downward. And then eventually, you know what it feels like? It feels like our life is down in a downward spiral. That's what it feels like. It feels like that I am out of control. I am literally looping around and I'm about ready to come face to face with my destruction and you're not far off. When we continue to love our desires, love the things of this world more than the things of God, the things of Jesus, eventually we will come face to face with those things that we are doing our absolute best to avoid. We become... Residents without citizenship. When we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, here's what that here's that Paul's Paul's going look. When you are been raised to new life with Christ, he's saying you no longer belong to this world. Okay, so we're residents. We live on this planet, but you are not a citizen of this planet. So you're an, you're a foreigner. You are a you are a visitor. You may be functioning here, but understand this, your home lies somewhere else. The finish line to your life is actually not what you think is your finish line. You would hope that your finish line is this, but Jesus goes, you're not a citizen of this world, it's a little bit higher. Your home lies in the realities of heaven, not what is here on earth There's a finish line that's much different than what you and I seem to be painting in our lives. And I love what Hebrews, the author of Hebrews chapter 11, if you've ever read Hebrews 11, they actually call it the hall of faith. Okay. So if you ever read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see a list of all these men and women that faithfully walked with the Lord, Abraham and and Noah and Rahab. And these these different names will come popping up that you read in Old Testament passages and And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, this is what what he says. He says, all these people, all the people in the hall of faith that set their sights on the things above, not on the things below, they died still believing what God had promised them, meaning they were fixed, their eyes were set on what God said, I'm going to give you. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. They, uh, see, uh, when you're running a race, um, it, it's it's one of those things. Is is when you're worried about the people to your right or your left? Have you, I mean, Michael Phillips, anyone? Okay, you saw that you saw swimming. I mean, all of a sudden they're worried about who's who's in front of you, who's behind you, or the worries of the, instead of looking at the finish line until the very end, your eyes need to be set on that finish line. Because you're going to cross and you're going to cross well. And he says, all these people, uh, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were, here it is, foreigners, nomads. And this is what we are. I mean, our real life is not here. Our citizenship is not here. We are passing through. He says, obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. We all want to belong somewhere. And yet we still fight. We think that somehow this world is that home. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But these men and women in this chapter, they they don't. They keep forging ahead, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. You know the best place, the best thought is where God is, where God is. And there is a real place called heaven, and it is the residency of God Almighty. And his son, Jesus, sits at the right-hand throne of God the Father, the greatest blessing is not, about, is not about what God can necessarily do for us and he was able to pay my bills this month and he was able to, the greatest blessing that we have yet to come that he has promised us is him. That is our gift. That is what we have to look forward to. We have a heavenly home, homeland that we can say, I'm home and here it is, this is what's great, this is when we get there, dad's waiting for us. Have you ever, you ever come home after a long day and, and maybe from school as a student and, and then all of a sudden you're just glad to be home. Maybe you've been back from college, maybe and, and you get home and you're just like, I'm home and dad's there, mom's there and they just wrap you up. And you're like, man, this is where I belong. This is, this, and, and you know what? This is exactly what God the Father has in store for us. When we walk, when we walk in, his presence is there, and he goes, welcome home. You're home. You're home. And I love that fact that, that I may not, listen, I know I'm, I'm kind of freakish. I'm kind of weird. All right. It's a family trait. All right. I get it. It's fine. But the reality is, is, is my home doesn't belong here. My citizenship does not belong here. I am a nomad. And so I will act in ways that are contrary than the world. I will say things that are different than this world wants you to believe. I will will go places that, that that normal people wouldn't go. I will I will be part of things in the way that God wants to do that may seem outside of the box or unorthodox, but I'm doing it not because I think my promise and my goal line is on this earth. It's not. It lies with my heavenly Father who has given me more than I could ever hope or imagine. And because of His grace, He saw me at my worst and still loved me. This is our Jesus This is the home that we have. What is the realities of heaven he's talking about here? He says, the realities of heaven, I'll just give you three things. First of all, is that eternal home that I've already mentioned. Things don't pass away. The second thing is rest in peace. You know what? You're no longer an enemy of God. Can you imagine that? You're not an enemy of God. When God looks at you, he doesn't doesn't scowl at you. He doesn't go, oh, what a disappointment. And maybe you're used to that in your own family. I don't know. He doesn't look at you and go, um, yeah, why don't you get your act together and then come back? Or, oh, why don't you do... No, no, he looks at you and he says, I love you. Welcome. Welcome. You belong. But also the presence of God. The presence of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I won't read all of it, but I just want to, I want to point out one, one part of the verse. It says, we're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses. If you know Hebrews chapter 12. So we'll strip off every weight that weighs us down. But then he says this. We do this. And he's giving us some insight here. We do this. How do we do this? How do we get rid of that sin? Those things in us? It's by keeping our eyes on Jesus. But Joel, you don't understand. My marriage is falling. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But my My children are, Joel, you don't understand, my children are, keep your eyes on Jesus. But I just got fired from my job. You don't understand, I don't know how I'm going to provide. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, this is not a suggestion. Sometimes we look at God's Word and say, this is just a mere suggestion. And God goes, no, this is not a suggestion, this is life. This is your life. Jesus imparts His life. He bestows His righteousness. He bestows all of His promises, all of His gifts, all that He has upon you the moment moment that you believe, the moment that you put your faith, your hope, and trust in Him. So stop dropping your eyes below the horizon thinking that this world offers something more than Jesus. See, when we sin, if I can put it very simply, when we sin, we believe that sin holds a greater promise than that which God has for us. So that's why we run back to it. We're like, oh, but sin is kind of cool. But then we realize, guess what? We hit bottom of the barrel and then we go back, oh, that, that, that didn't work, right? And we run back saying, God, oh, reset me. Reset my vision. Reset, reset... Uh, my eyesight on the things above, not on the things below, on the realities of heaven. Jesus doesn't only reset our vision, he resets our nature. Look at verses five. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, if it just ended there, that's pretty depressing. But then he says, you used to do those things when your life was still a part of this world. Do you see why Jesus is so essential. Do you see why it is so important to have Jesus? You and our lives, we cannot remove ourselves from this world. We can't do it. Jesus can. He changes your citizenship. The moment you say yes to Jesus is the, the moment you become a defector of this world. I am no longer a resident of this world. I am now, I am part of a heavenly family. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm, the moment sin begins to creep up in my life, You know I'm, I'm going to bring it before Jesus who, who healed me, who t- stole me away. And- me a residency in heaven, and I'm gonna lay that sin, those lurking desires in me, I'm gonna lay it before his feet, and he just as Jesus died, so did my sin. My sin no longer has power over me. It doesn't have to control you anymore. Jesus didn't just pay the price of sin, he he paid for, he freed us from the power of sin, the presence of sin. It no longer has you, it no longer has a grip on you. So stop running back to that which is dead and stand because of Jesus being alive. And who he is in and through you. You can have victory. You can have life. Not because of our own ability. But because of Jesus in you. He is alive. He's always alive. And he is enough. He is enough for everything lurking deep within us. And the only way to kill it is to remind you of actually who killed it. Remind yourself every single day if you need to. Hey, this is dead. This no longer holds, has a hold on me. I am now free because of what Jesus did on the cross. I stand in victory and I'm alive because of my Savior. Jesus resets our nature. You used to do these things, but now now is the time to get rid of it. And so at the end of the verse, in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Jesus completely resets our nature. Do you know that? It's not refurbished. And and here's what we try to do, though. We try to reboot our lives. That's what we do. We don't, we don't reset it. We reboot it. And when your computer's not working, what do you do? You reboot it. You reboot it. You know why? Because then you're like, oh, okay. All right, we kind of... But can I just say, a reboot of your life is, is a man, is a man-made attempt to fix things. To reboot your life. And so you know how we do that? We run to... What we think is good things. We grab self-help. You you, you know how many books Barnes & Noble sells? Amazon sells of self-help books. Trying to better you. Have a better version of you. Believe in the power of you. Guess what? The power in me is not powerful enough. To handle the power in this world. The prince of, the prince, the the prince of darkness is real. Satan is real and he is after your soul. I cannot stand against that adversary on my own two feet. I have to declare the blood and power of Jesus to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. It's the only way I can stand. So stop thinking you're strong enough. Stop thinking that enough self-help books will be able to get you there. It won't get you there. It never could get you there. Be renewed. Stop rebooting your life and let Jesus reset your life, your nature. I love what Watchman Knee said. I love what Watchman Knee said. He says, when I really know, when I really know, That I'm crucified with him. Then spontaneously. I know myself dead. I reckon myself dead. And when I know. That I am raised with him from the dead. Then likewise. I recognize myself. Reckon myself dead. Alive unto God. Or or, or, or I reckon myself alive. Unto God in Christ Jesus. For both the death. And the resurrection side of the cross are to be accepted by faith. When this point is reached, giving myself to him follows. When Jesus resets me, then following him is just part of second nature, just part of the game. It's part of what Jesus makes me to be. The outpouring of my life because, happens because of what he has done in me and continues to do in and through me me. I had a computer one time that was given to me by a friend of mine. It was a laptop and, um, and maybe you've gotten this before and he didn't walk, he didn't scrub it. And so there was all this stuff and there was all these viruses and everything like that. And, and, and I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. And, and cause I kept trying to, to navigate through, it was lagging and all kinds of stuff like this. And, and I remember, I remember, um, a, a, another friend of mine called me and I was trying to navigate with him and he goes, he goes, well, have you Have you tried to uh, factory reset what was going on there? And I was like, What are you talking about? I I had no idea what he's talking about. He's like, Yeah, you can factory reset the the computer. I was like, Tell me now. Where? Where Where do I go? So he navigates me exactly there, and I factory reset this laptop. And you know what I had that day? A new computer. It was a brand new computer. I mean, like like there was none of this old junk. There was none of these, I mean, literally it is a new computer. And honestly, this is what Jesus does to us. He factory resets us. That's what he does to originally what you were intended to be in the garden when our first parents really did, you know, blew it for us. Thanks, Adam and Eve. I mean, they just blew it for us. They fractured, they severed us from relationship with God, eternity with God, completely severing us. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes and he makes a way where when we put our faith and hope and trust in that, it resets all that we are. You have And, and understand this, we were made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. everything. So there's an emotional side to God. There's a, there's a, a, a mental side to God. There's a, there's a spiritual side to God. We are made in His image. And so when we were separated from God, our entire image was fractured. I'm a, it's, a, it's like a piece of glass that's completely shattered. Well, the moment Jesus came, all of a sudden, He took that broken, virus-filled hard drive that we, that we are... And he made it brand new. He brought it back to its original mind. This is what Jesus does. He completely resets your nature back to who you were originally meant to be. Final thing, he's, he not only resets our nature, not only resets our vision, but he also resets our priorities. Because I'll be honest with you, my priorities sometimes, especially, especially as I've continued to walk this journey, are constantly being reset by Jesus. I know that. You know why? Because as, as long as I have walked with Jesus since I was 13 years old, as long as I've walked with him, you know what I still know? There is junk in my heart that has to be removed. There's stuff in my life that keeps me away from living the life God wants me to. He's got to reset my priority. What is most important? And this is what Paul's writing to the church of Colossae. Jesus resets our priorities. Look at verses 11. He says, in this new life, once again, he repeats himself, in this new life, it doesn't matter. So he's going, let let me reallocate in your life what is most important. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You know what that means? It means it doesn't matter what race or ethnicity you're from. That's, Christ is all that matters. And then he goes on and he says, circumcised or uncircumcised, culture or creed. Um, he, he says barbaric or uncivilized, rich or poor. It's not that important. doesn't matter on which side of the tracks you grew up on. That is not as important. Christ is all that matters, oppressed or free. You can be in an absolute oppressive society, oppressive nation, oppressive world, or you could be in the freest part of all the land. It doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. But also understand this. He's also the solution for all of these things as well. We don't need another reconciliation meeting. We need Jesus. That's what heals. That's what mends wounds. That's what crosses all boundaries and every cultural background that we could ever possibly think of. That's what, that's what crosses every single uh, social difference or, or nationality difference or it doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. He is the one that ties all things together. He is the one that mends all these hurts and these wounds. And there are. We have wounded this country, this world, and this nation. Not because of necessarily our background or the color of our skin. We have hurt and wounded because we're a sinful people. This is what what we are. And the sooner we understand that, the sooner Jesus takes right precedence in our life. He takes right center stage in our life. He becomes what matters most. And the more we fix our eyes on Him, the more these things begin to be healed. You want a better marriage? I've already said this before. You fix your eyes on Jesus. If you husbands are relying on your wife to bring something into you or introduce something into your life that you're lacking, guess what? Your eyes are just below the horizon because she was never meant to play the role of God in your life. Only God can fix your life. Only God can heal your life. Husbands or wives, if you're fixing your eyes on your husband thinking he's going to bring something into your life, introduce something into your life that you inherently need or you're lacking and so you're feeding on him or, or even your children or whatever, I'm telling you right now, your eyes are below the horizon. You are headed in a downward spiral. They will not give to you what your heart and soul is longing for. Only Jesus can bring that into your life. Your husband was never meant to sit in that seat. Your children were never meant into that seat. No, nothing out in this world was ever meant to play the role of God. Jesus Christ is God. He's the one that you need. He's the promise we stand on. He's the one that resets our lives. This is what Jesus does. <clears throat> Paul says in Romans twelve two. He says, "Don't copy." Don't copy the behaviors of this world or the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our world will always attempt to dictate what is, uh, what is supre- the supreme thought or what the supreme belief or supreme idea ought to be. And I'm here to tell you, the world does not, will not, will ever give you the actual truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to fix our eyes on him. He's the one that resets the priorities of our life. He's the one that, and, and here's what happens. A, a lot of the time, these, these things are subtle. and and I'll just be really transparent with you, church. I love putting good things in my life. I love putting good things in my life. And there are things in your life that are good. But I can have 50 good things in my life and it still not be the right thing in my life. If he's not at the top of my priority, then all these good things will always fall short they're always going to fall short they're never going to be enough they will never offer me what my soul is longing for what I'm desiring for so let Christ be your greatest thought be your greatest focus let Jesus reset you I want to end with this quote by St. Augustine this is what he said St. Augustine he said to fall in love with God is the greatest romance to seek him the greatest adventure to find him the greatest human achievement when you have Christ and he resets your vision just above the horizon on the realities of heaven because he Paul says he goes this is where your real life is found everything else is just is just shadows of reality your life is found in him and him alone. And to seek anything else that takes precedence over that number one spot in your life will always leave you wanting. It's not another relationship. It's not another uh, self-help book. It's not another, it's, it's finding intimacy. It's finding intimacy with Jesus. It's finding, it's finding that, that there is a God who loves you more than you love yourself, more than all your mistakes, all of your failures, all of your tragedies in your life. This is what Jesus does. This is what Paul's trying to tell the church of Colossae. He resets you. He resets me. There's no one. There's no one so far gone that God cannot reset, redeem, reorient you into the person he always meant you to be. Stop believing the lies of the adversary. You're not less than. You're not a lost cause. There is not enough mistakes you can make or sinful choices you can make that will push you so far that Jesus goes, come on home. Dad's waiting. Dad's waiting. This is what he's waiting. He's waiting for you. And he's going to wrap you up and he's going to say, well done. Christ is all that matters. At Real Life Church, our vision is is to be a real people with real faith, meeting real needs of others, with real compassion for Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to be here. But can I just say, I cannot be a real anything. I can't be a real anything unless my vision, my nature, and my priorities has been reset by the real Jesus. It's never going to happen. A reset person is a real person. And I want to invite you right now. Maybe your life has never been reset by Jesus. You heard you're, you, we we talk about it a lot and we 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 go there a lot but can I just say the reality is 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 Maybe you're attempting to reset your life with all these other things and you've never started with Jesus. It has to start with Jesus. It has to stop trying to introduce something new in order to fix those things that are broken. You can't fix your life. Your parents can't fix your life. Your, your boyfriends, your girlfriends, your husbands, your wives cannot fix your life. Jesus fixes your life and repairs your heart and makes you the whole and complete person like we talked about last week that you always meant. He resets he resets everything about you he puts your eyes on the things that are most important he completely resets your priorities he makes you a new person he resets your vision so that the cares of this world won't pull you down but keep you steadfast exactly where you need to be I was so encouraged last hour. Um, I had an opportunity to talk with one of our volunteers. And she was such an encouragement to me. And she was sharing with some of the things that she was walking through. And it reminded me of a story of when Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus. Peter got out of the boat and he started walking towards Jesus. And remember, he started to sink the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, if you know the story. Now, I I, I love this thought, but it's not a realistic thought. I loved this thought where, when he was sinking, Peter was lifting his arm up, and then Jesus reached down. Now I love this thought that Peter was the one that pulled himself up to Jesus. But can I just say, all all Peter could offer was a helpless hand. Jesus pulled Peter the whole way. He resets everything about us. We bring nothing to the table, guys. We bring nothing to the table except the helpless hand. And Jesus grabs the helpless hand and he pulls us the whole way. This is our God. And so if you've never known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in a moment the band's going to play, I want to invite you to be a part of that. Maybe you just need to reset an area of your life. Maybe your priorities are all screwed up. Well, take advantage of this, church. Take advantage of saying, Jesus, reset me. Reset all everything about me so that I can be new, so that I can be different forevermore. Father, I pray right now for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that has never had their life truly reset by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would introduce yourself unlike ever before into their life. God, I pray that, that... if their nature has never been reset by you, that never been redeemed by you, if their, if their vision has never been reset or redeemed by you, if their, if their priorities have never been reset or redeemed by you, I pray to this morning, right now, that they would not walk out of here without having done business with you. Lord Jesus, show yourself. Show yourself real and powerful as you are, God. Only you can reset and restore. Only you can renew and redeem. Only you, only you, Christ is all that matters. And I pray that we walk away with that encouragement this morning. Jesus, we love you and praise you. Would you stand to your feet, church? As the band plays this morning, um, take advantage of this. Give your heart to Christ if you need to. Maybe maybe you need to, to confess. Maybe you need to truly grieve over some sin in your life and, and literally surrender that. Maybe you're being convicted this morning. That's all the Holy Spirit working in your life. Take advantage of that. There's some people up here that are going to be praying, love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Um, but don't walk out of here without having done the work that Jesus wants to finish and reset in your life. So as the band plays, you come this morning.